Welcome to Families for Life, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're continuing our marriage series, part two, Authentic Communication. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Pastor Allen. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good. I'm glad you're here for our part two of our marriage series. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to continue. We had a great discussion last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go back, check it out. We talked all about how um, the, the the why is why is marriage special. That was the na- title of the episode. So what was your biggest takeaway from that episode? Uh, that marriage was special. So, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> well, we've slept since then, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that God has designed marriage, that he's made it, that he is, there. there's a lot of uh, thought and intention. It wasn't something that just happened where it's like, oh, two people just got together. I mean, God really had a plan. Yeah, no, that's important, I think, because like like we mentioned even last week, it's, you know, we didn't come up with this idea of marriage, you know, uh, and so we shouldn't fashion it into whatever we think it should be. Uh, the one who designed it should have the one who has the final say of what marriage should be and so that's what we tried to remember last week. Yep, that's good. That's good. Well, I want to remind our listeners, subscribe, give us a review, share with your friends. You can email our us uh, any feedback with the email that's in the show notes there. But hey, I had an interesting question. Did, when you got married many years ago, was there anything anything special or crazy that happened? Well, uh, yeah, there was something a little crazy actually that happened because as we were taking our vows and we were lighting the unity candle, Paula caught her veil on fire. Oh no. And so uh, that was interesting. And she, um, and discreetly as possible, put it out with her fingers as it was burning. Yeah. And we carried on and went right on with the wedding. So, uh, we there got married, go. but yeah, it started off with, uh, with some fire. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ours was pretty, uh, I don't remember having any really eventful things. Uh, I do remember that we kind of regretted um, our reception. We put it, we did it like in an old house, but I don't know if we just underestimated the amount of people that were going to show, but it was hard to like, it was kind of broken up in rooms, big, big rooms, but rooms. And so it's hard to get around to everybody and see everybody. And so at one point I would just went outside. People were waiting in line to get food. I just went down the line and started talking to people, you know? Yeah. Well, we, you know, I was we, doing the pastor thing even before I was a pastor. See, you know? it was, it's, it's in your DNA. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had the standard um, Southern Baptist uh, cake punch nuts yeah. uh, reception, mm-hmm. so it was pretty uneventful. Yeah, yeah, we had some food, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was good though. So listen, I, the wedding is great, and I love uh, you know seeing a wedding and those commitments. But it's about the marriage, and it's about what God takes those two those two people together. And oftentimes, one of the biggest problem in marriage is communication. Why do you think that that rises to the surface? I mean, you've been counseling couples for many years. Why does that rise to the surface so many times? Well, I, you know, it's not just from my counseling that I've done. I think just even from my practical experience in my own marriage, um, communication is difficult because, you know, as a Christian, every day I need to die to myself. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, a lot of days I'm tempted not to do that. And so I want to claim rights. I want to uh, make my point. I want to be heard. I want, I want what I want. And so sometimes that affects my communication because I'm really not communicating. I'm just expressing what I want to be heard. Right. Yeah. I love this quote here. It says the extent to which 
you can learn to understand your spouse, express yourself to be understood, and actively resolve conflict between the two of you will greatly determine the level of intimacy and oneness you will experience in marriage. That's from our, uh, one of our resources preparing for marriage. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're not communicating, you definitely are not going to have an intimate relationship and it will affect the intimacy of your relationship. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is where couples either, if they've been in a bad trend of communicating two, one of two things will happen either oftentimes they'll, they'll split up or they'll just kind of shut down and agree to like a basic level of communication and then they'll just kind of live their lives and they won't really have that that fulfilled marriage that God has called us to. Yeah, no, they, they become roommates almost. Right. Uh, and, and like I've said many times before, we're not, the goal of our marriage is not to just endure it. Yep. But it's to be fulfilled and satisfied mm-hmm. in it. And to do that, you've got to communicate. Yeah. I read something this week. It said communication is, the relationship, is to the relationship as blood is to the body. Communication nourishes and sustains a relationship. Take it away and you no longer have a relationship. Just like with blood, take it out of the body, you don't have life. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, the hardest times that I can think in our marriage of being married over 36 years are those times when we are we just shut down in communication. And there's various reasons for that. But, yeah, if if you don't communicate, you it will choke off mm-hmm. and choke out the relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Well, how do you know if your communication in your relationship is bad? I found these questions that this was from a Desiring God article, and we'll link all this in our show notes. But one of the questions that really stuck out to me, uh, and you can ask yourself these questions in your relationship, and if if you are if you answer these questions in a in a negative way, or, or you can't you know you don't find that you're communicating very well after answering these questions, then there's a problem, and you need to. Uh, do this take the steps to address it but it says are there topics that have become off limits because you or your spouse get too prickly defensive or embarrassed i think that's a good question to ask yeah that that is and um that will happen i mean the particular topics if if you know there are just certain topics you can't talk to your spouse about without a, a fight breaking out then that is that is a telltale sign that you need to work on communication because, you know, in all areas, aspects of our marriages, we've got to be able to communicate, whether it be things in the home, in the relationship, something you're going through at work, uh, whatever it may be. Was there one of these that stuck out to you? Yeah. Well, number there, there was a one question here. It says, do you talk openly about your failures Mm. past and present? Mm. And, you know, if you're married to someone who is open, who loves the Lord, who's trying to die to self daily themselves, you can do this. Mm -hmm. But if you try to talk about something you're struggling with in the present or the past, something you have struggled with, a failure, but when you do that, if they, if they just come back, you know, negatively responding to you or just really not engaging you, Mm -hmm. that's a problem Mm -hmm. because you're, you're not able to process, um, failures in your life and, yeah. and we're all going to fail i mean there's there's just no way around that i liked the question is your spouse the first person you turn to for support comfort and celebration and does your spouse do the same for you and that doesn't mean that you can't turn to other people friends family um other loved ones but if you can never go to your spouse and find find support 
in the trials and find joy in the in the the, the victories of life there's a problem with communication yeah yeah the, another one that that was really good i thought said when you confront sin in your spouse mm. do you uh do so with gentleness and humility as a fellow struggler um or do you have a, a or with the posture of one who will never sin in that way. Ooh, so man. that's really big. Isn't it easy um, to see the sin in other people and not in yourself? Hell yeah. You know, we, you know, scripture speaks directly to that. Um, we, um, you know, oftentimes spouses don't even talk about this in their life. Right. I mean, we don't feel a freedom to, if Paula sees me struggling in an area or if I see her struggling, we, instead of, talking about it because we know it'll lead to an argument or mm-hmm. whatever we we choose not to but i do think that it you know your spouse should be one who can know you and look at your life and see if there is something there that shouldn't be there they need to have the freedom to be able to talk to you about mm-hmm. that but they've got to do it with the right heart attitude and in the right way you that's know, right that's exactly right that has everything to do with the right kind of communication if you have that, that open communication then it will be easier to talk about right. those things right. yeah and I think that speaks to um, one of the things we're going to get to today when we talk about conflict. When conflicts arise between you, are you able to resolve them, or do you seem to stall out frequently when when one of you withdraws indefinitely? Yeah. No. If you if, if that's if that is the pattern of your relationship where one is willing to engage but the other will not, mm-hmm. you will be in a perpetual state of conflict in in, in lack of communication. Right. And it, it will. That will that will be a corrosive have a corrosive effect on your marriage no yeah. doubt well i think that if you look at these questions you you got to think okay in my do i have a problem with communication in my marriage but here's the thing there is hope you don't have to um you don't have to think it's hopeless here you can turn to god's word that's what we're going to do we're going to look at scripture because scripture does speak about communication the bible has a lot to say about communication and i've thought about this as I was preparing this week, the Lord is concerned about how we speak to one another. And I think a lot of this is God, God is a God who has seen it, uh, who is not seen, but heard. I got that backwards in the notes. God is a God that is heard and not seen. He uses his words, God's words to speak to us. He doesn't show himself, uh, except through the, through the incarnation of Jesus. But this is very important. So I think uh, communication, relationship, all of these things are really important to the Lord. And that's why he put these things in there. All, it's all throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's, and of course, communication, it's about, it is about words and expressing yourself, but it's also about listening. I mean, if you, you're not going to really communicate if you're not listening to what's mm. being said, you know? So, you know, I think oftentimes in the marriage, the problem in communication is not there's not enough words. Sometimes there's too many words, but the problem is nobody's listening. Right. People aren't listening to one another. Well, and that's that's the first thing we want to talk about is what does it mean to listen to understand? So what is the difference between hearing someone and understanding someone? Right. Well, like James 1, 9, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And uh, this is a, a principle that, oftentimes we don't remember too well mm-hmm. of this idea of being uh, quick to hear and slow to speak. Oftentimes I, well, I think of myself sometimes 
I'm quick to speak and slow to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. I think back to a Sunday school teacher back when I was in, uh, in grade school. And he said, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you can yeah. listen twice as much as you yeah. speak. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe that's a good thing for us to hang on to. Right. Um, because it is, it is important to, to really listen and not to, um, not, not to think you're listening when you're not. Well, and I think that's, I think we, we he, oftentimes we hear what we want to hear and, um, and we don't, we don't listen to the entire of what someone is saying, how they're saying it. We, we don't, we don't really think. And, you know, one of the, one of the most awful ways to communicate is email text, you know, and I've started to think, okay, I need to slow down and I don't need to respond immediately because I have gotten myself in trouble recently with, uh, with this. And so I think it's a good word to just say, okay, let me step back when I'm communicating in any way, whether it's speech, let me step back, let me think, okay, slow to speak. So that means I need to think about my words. I need to process what I'm saying. This is something that I've struggled with and had to learn in my life. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes in the moment when you're talking about a topic to your, you feel a pressure to have the, the answer in the moment and you may even misspeak, you know, say something that, you know, you're, you get it wrong and then you have to go back and readdress right. that. And that happens. It does. It's happened to me too. And so to be able to really listen and take your time is very important. Proverbs one five says, let the wise hear and the increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. Mm. And so uh, we need to uh, increase in our learning. Mm. And so like in a, in a relationship, if you want to really learn what's going on in your spouse, maybe be a really good idea to listen better mm-hmm. and to listen more so you can learn exactly what's going on and not be preparing your comeback while they're talking right. when you're thinking more about what you're going to say mm-hmm. to what they're saying more so than listening to what they're saying. Yeah. I'm a person who gets distracted very easily. And so sometimes I have to, you know, I can't watch TV and listen to my wife at the same time. I have to pause the TV mute it, whatever. And then I turn and I have to say, okay, I'm looking at you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm listening to you Yeah. because she'll say something and I won't, it'll just, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Whatever. And so I have to really focus on listening. That's, that's something I've struggled with and I've had to adapt to that. And I think, I think men, especially, I think both, both spouses, but men, especially, we've got to make sure that we are, we are really listening. Yeah. You, you referenced something earlier too. I don't know if we're going to get into this specifically, but the way in which you're the mode in which you're trying to communicate Mm -hmm. is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I would much prefer to talk in person to someone Mm -hmm. about something more so than even just talking on the phone Mm -hmm. or even worse yet texting, because in texting, you can't, you can't fully understand the conversation Mm -hmm. through texting and things are misunderstood. And it's just like commenting on social media. I would never say thing people, what people say on social media, they never say face to face to someone because you're looking in their eyes, but on social media or texting, you feel a freedom to just, and you send it, you know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that when we're communicating, especially like maybe you shouldn't get on a back and a long back and forth, uh, texting, Mm -hmm. a conversation with your spouse when you're, when it's something really important, maybe it'd be better to say, Hey, when we get off work or when we get home, right. let's sit down and talk. Exactly. About this. Yes, yeah. that's good. Well, I think there are some proper listening habits that we can develop. And one of the things we can do is focus on what is being said rather than how you feel about what is being said. I think it's important. What are the, what are the facts? What are the thing the person is saying? Try to remove the emotion from it so that you can see what, what they're saying. Now we'll talk about 
how, later on how we need to talk in a in a good loving way but for now when we're thinking about listening we've got to focus on what is being said rather than how we feel about what is being said right yeah don't get wrapped up in the emotion of the moment be willing to hear the other person out mm-hmm. whether that makes you um, feel good or not mm-hmm. but in the moment try to hear and fully understand don't let your emotions drive the train mm-hmm. what about this one focus the way it is being said, we're talking tone of voice, posture, things like that, rather than the words only. Right. Yeah. Because communication is both spoken and non-spoken, right? I mean, you, we nonverbal communication is pretty much always happening when you are verbally communicating mm-hmm. to someone too. So right. to, to take it all in and not just part of it. Mm-hmm. Focus on clarification on valid points rather than defense of incorrect accusations. A lot of times we want to jump to a defensive posture rather than say, okay, what's, how can I clarify what you're saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Clarity should be the, should be the goal mm-hmm. uh, and not get hung up on if there are accusations or whatever, let's, let's get to the truth of the matter. Right. Focus on questions rather than indict, indictments. Right. Focus on understanding rather than judgments. Those are some ways we can build uh, proper listening habits. Another important thing is ask listening questions. A huge problem is people do not give each other the benefit of the doubt. They jump to conclusions. They assume motives. So immediately you have already, you, you, you've already taken the, what the person has said initially, and you've already formed all your opinions and you yeah. know how you're going to react. You know what they're saying, you, you, you know, and that's, that's not helpful. No, especially, well, whatever relationship you're in, in the marriage relationship, surely we should we should give our spouse more uh, grace than than that, mm-hmm. and and not just our spouse but other people. Right. I mean, um, we we've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes people say things that maybe they they didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. They didn't mean it how how it said right. how, how it sounded, or maybe they they spoke too quickly mm-hmm. and they need to they were wrong and they need to come back and clarify it. We've got to be willing mm-hmm. to. Op, operate in the, in the, um, you know, the, the understand of the gospel mm-hmm. in our relationships. Yeah. Grace and mercy, That's always right. being willing to give grace and mercy, forgiveness, all those types of things. It doesn't just play into the salvation of our life. It plays into the communication in every, in every other aspect right. of our life. I think it's helpful to ask clarifying questions. You can ask your spouse when you're having a discussion, are you telling me blank and, and get, that point there or what did you mean when you said blank that way you kind of you kind of get them to go back and think about what they just said and maybe they did say it in some emotion or maybe they just did say it in a in a negative way but if if one spouse would just keep their cool and say hey what what did you say what did you mean when you said x yeah, this is what i heard you say is that what you said <clears throat> is that what you is meant that what you meant yeah and yeah you know, just but it's just slowing down and having your goal to be let's fix the problem more than winning the argument. Right. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that too. Ask summary questions like of all that you just said, what you want me most to understand is blank or what do you want me most to understand? What do you need most from me right now? Those are helpful because you're, you're bringing all of the up here, all the discussion that's swirling around, bringing it down to what they want you to know. Right. Yeah. And when you ask those questions like that, let's make sure we really mean those questions. Yeah. You know, that they're not being asked sarcastically or, you know, right, you know, but first to have the right heart all the way through. So, so there's two parts. Number one, listening. We just talked about that. 
What about expressing yourself to be understood? How we, how we communicate when we are talking, is there a right way to talk? Yeah. I mean, as you know, just uh, a couple of weeks back now, I, pe- I preached a message uh, called the power of words. Uh, I think that's what I titled it. Uh, but I was talking about Paul. There was three sets of words that were spoken in this narrative mm-hmm. and that some of the words that were spoken were words spoken actually to bring the physical death of Paul. Mm. Paul spoke words to try to preserve his life. And then ultimately we saw that Paul also spoke words to bring life through the power of the gospel. And so when we looked at that, uh, in, in the book of Proverbs, I came across, I didn't count this, but uh, some commentator did, 150 times in the book of Proverbs, it talks about our mouth, our lips, our tongue, mm. as it's relating to our speech. And that's a running theme in the book of Proverbs. And it led me to the psalm that I shared, Psalm 141.3, that really could be a prayer over our, over our communication, mm-hmm. over our words. It just says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep keep the door of my lips Mm. to where we're really being mindful of the words we're speaking Mm -hmm. because once words go out, they're hard to get back in your mouth. You You can't stuff them back in. It's like, it's like the two, the toothpaste out of the tube. You can't put it back in the tube. That's right. So it's really important. I love that example because Paul lived it out in his life. He also taught it. And if you look at Ephesians chapter four, he said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, this is in context of the church, but this is a great way to think about how we communicate with our spouse. Because just like you said, our words, once you say something, it can't be unsaid. Even if you go back and you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I didn't mean it, it's still there. So that's why God is telling us, be slow to speak. Think about what you're saying. Cause it's out there. Yes. Because our, because as I shared in that message, uh, as it said, in, as it says in scripture that our words hold the power of life mm, and death. Yeah. And so that, that means that we can either build up or tear down people with our words. And so, um, we, we just need to be mindful of that and that we can bring life mm-hmm. to people emotionally. Uh, we can either help bring life to them and build them up or we can tear them down with our words. Yep. You know, uh, physically, in the physical realm, our words can be used to harm people like they were trying to harm Paul to put him to death with their words. Right. Uh, but, you know, we can harm people spiritually if we don't use our words for life. And right. that that's kind of talking about us as Christians being willing to share the gospel with others. Use our words to bring spiritual life to others for them to hear the gospel. Yeah. But most importantly, I think, or maybe not most importantly, but specifically in a marriage relationship, our words need to be used for life mm-hmm. and to build up our spouse yeah. with those words, build them up. I love this scripture. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I love this scripture, Proverbs ten nineteen, where it says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Wow, man, that, that right there speaks to me because, you know, if somebody, if, you know, if you know me, I'm not short on words and, there have been often times where I have said too much or misspoken or, or said something. And so when, when the words are flowing, transgression is not lacking. And I, I, that is, that is a, that is a word we need to hear. Right. Because we can say things we never should have said, right. <clears throat> or we'll say things that really we didn't mean, mm-hmm. or we got, we got confused or whatever. And then depending on the heart of the person who's in that 
communication with you, they can either use that then for life or death. Mm -hmm. Because if they choose not to understand, if they choose not to forgive, then that even harms the relationship even more going forward. What about this Ecclesiastes, you know, where, where it goes down, it says there's a season for everything, a time for everything under heaven. And then one of the verses in that poem is a time to keep silent and a time to speak. So there is a time to speak, but there's also a time to keep silent. Yeah, I think that verse right there should be emblazoned across the forehead of, <laughs> of well, uh, on of myself anyway. I'll just put it that way. But I think a lot of I think a lot of people in marriages could benefit from understanding there's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. And, um, you know, a lot of times in the marriage relationship, your spouse just wants to be heard. They don't need you to say anything. Yeah. They, they The time is to be, it's to hear them, but to just be silent in the moment right. and not speak. So there is wisdom to be gained to know when you need to speak and when you don't need to speak. Yeah. Well, I have some rules here for being understood. And I think the first rule is determine what you want to say. So one of the things I learned, um, I've been learning all my life was, you know, trying to think before I speak. I have a, uh, my personality is such that I, I'm always brain is running all the time. And I just want to just say exactly what I'm thinking. And I've had to really think about determine what I want to say. Okay. So what are my assumptions? What are my beliefs? What are my desires? What are my dreams? What are my needs? Okay. So when I'm saying this, what, what am I wanting to express? And a lot of times we can say a bunch of things that don't really express exactly what we want to say. And so I've had to go back and think, okay, what is the most helpful thing in this situation? Is there, how can I get to the point to where I'm saying exactly what needs to be communicated in a very clear way? Yeah, I think that's helpful. And just with wisdom in general, I mean, I think as I think sometimes as we get older, maybe the more years we're married, maybe we come around to this till we understand more of understanding the wisdom of of less words sometimes and only saying what you really want to say mm -hmm. about certain things mm -hmm. and to really really process that um the second thing was to determine how you want to say it mm -hmm. you know talking about your emotions you know how how do that's the best way to express what you want to say mm -hmm. you know i mean you can express things in a lot of different you can say the same thing in a lot of different ways right. and have a lot of different different kinds of effects. Well, we're not robots. We have emotions. God created us with emotions and it's okay to use emotions. We just need to make sure that we aren't uh, being sinful in those emotions. And a lot of times it's, it's with the, the anger or discouragement or in that kind of vein where we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. You know, yes. Um, and it's hard. We need God's wisdom and direction, especially in a marriage. I mean, we things get very passionate in a in a marriage, you know, and we feel very strongly about whatever it is we're we're talking about, mm -hmm. and we have strong opinions about things, and so we've got to make sure that as we're expressing that, uh, we're expressing those with the right emotion in right. the right way. And the last one, determine when you want to say it. Boy, this is huge because timing. Yeah. And, and communication is very important. Yeah, I feel like I need to take a pass on this moment right here because uh, I'm still learning this one. And, Me too. Um, you know, there's countless times when I've talked to Paula and it just wasn't the right time, you know, and um, timing is everything. And so you've, you've got to be sensitive to that. Well, I'm one that wants to, when there's a problem, I want to solve it right away. My wife is one that needs a little more time to process. And so... I've had to go to her and say, listen, I really want to talk about this, but I know you're not ready. Will you please 
come to me when you're ready. I'm going to give you the space you need. Right. Come to me when you're ready. And that's just her person. That's knowing her personality because I, everything in me wants to like, you know, cause I've done that where I forced her to talk to me when she wasn't ready. And that doesn't go well. Right. Yeah. It doesn't go well with your wife. It doesn't go well with um, anybody really. And so I've learned that as well, Brian, I, you know, in, in the pastorate, I mean, we're, we're in relationships with a lot of different people and I am wired to where if there's something wrong in a relationship, I desperately want to fix it. If I've done something wrong, I want to fix it. I want to apologize. I want to ask forgiveness, whatever, or, or I just want to, fi- I want to get things fixed. And there are just sometimes, and with some people and in some situations that it's just not the right time yet. Mm-hmm. And you've got to give it time and it's got to be in the Lord's time and not in, in your time that you're comfortable with because I, I know I've had to experience that in my marriage and in other relationships. Right. And and just because somebody doesn't offer immediate total forgiveness doesn't mean that they're they're sinning. Now if they refuse to forgive, if they refuse to work on it, if they refuse to to even go down that path of reconciliation, that is sinful. But to give someone space, to give someone time for them to process and deal with their emotions that's not sinful no. that's helpful actually yeah no we've got to we've got to know that that's that's just something that we should do you know mm-hmm. we can't we can't push people to deal with issues before they're able to deal with them i right. guess you know and we all get to those points at different times right and we just got to be available and willing and set in the posture of wanting to talk and willing to talk when the time's right right exactly so let's move to talking about resolving conflict. So why do you think conflict is inevitable in a relationship? You ever seen a relationship with zero conflict? Um, well, if you do, if, if you ever have, it means that somebody is not expressing their opinion ever. Mm. It just means that someone has totally abdicated any opinions. And it means more or less that they're in a relationship where the other person calls all the shots. Mm. And that is an absolutely unhealthy relationship. So I've never seen a healthy marriage uh, where, I mean, I think you're going to have conflict. There's no way around it's it. It's two imperfect people yeah, yeah. in a relationship. Right. right. And I would even say, yeah, imperfect. I would even say you have two, if they're Christians, you have two safe sinners right. who live together. <laughs> exactly. Who both every day need to die to themselves. Right. And sometimes we do good at that and other times we really don't. And so conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. Uh, and it can be a good thing if we will work through it in the way that see here's the thing if you look at the world and the way they deal with conflict many times there's not reconciliation there's not restoration right but the bible calls us to both of those things forgiveness reconciliation restoration of relationships if we do those things we do honor the lord because the bible is replete with examples of of doing that and we show the world what what love can really look like what grace it's an example of the grace of jesus christ it's it's a it's a living example of that yeah christians of all people should be able to find themselves in conflict at times, work through it and come out the other side, still in relationship. And sometimes those relationships even being stronger because of it. Mm-hmm. But sadly, oftentimes people walk away and aren't willing to do the work of a relationship, mm-hmm. which means uh, if, if someone has sinned against you, what's the Bible say? Do right. You go to them. Right. Why are you going to them? Matthew 18. You're going to them. Why? Not for confrontation. You're going for re- reconciliation. Yeah. So you're going so you and that person can get it right mm-hmm. because that is the goal. Reconciliation is the goal. If they won't hear you, if their heart is set hard, then you want to take a couple people with you. Why? So you can gang up on them? No. So you can go and get their attention and say, no, 
we desperately need to reconcile. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get this thing reconciled. So right. you, you've got to walk down the road of being willing to do the hard work of relationships, which means conflict will be there. Let's handle it the right way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how people uh, react to conflict. And there's four of the most common reactions that I found. Um, one of them is the first one is fight to win. This is where you say, I'm right, you are wrong, and you're trying to dominate the other person. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty transparent. I mean, that that's it. If you're fighting to win, that means you want your side known and your opinion is going to rule the day. And that's here's the it. thing. If there's a winner, then there's a loser. Right. And that's not helpful in a marriage relationship. No, not at all. Our goal should never be the winner and there be a loser ever. Oftentimes, the other side of this is withdrawal. This is number two. This is avoiding the conflict. You either see no hope in resolving the conflict or you lack the strength to confront it. So you just withdraw. Right. Yeah. And that and all that does is just, you know, in, in all of these, whether if you're going to fight to win, it's just going to it's going to lead to a harmed relationship. If you're going to just withdraw, that's going to lead to a harmed relationship. You may feel like, well, hey, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm not I'm not going to do anything. That's that is harming the relationship when we withdraw. You've got to understand that. What about yield? This is number three. You give up and you go along with the other person's demands rather than having a confrontation. Right. And that, and that is, I, now that helps in the immediate, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. It makes a confrontation go away. But in the long run, that is absolutely not helpful or what we want in a marriage relationship. We are, we, in a, a marriage, you're a partner. Right. With, you know, we have roles. We know that. We'll get to that at some point. Mm-hmm. But we're partners in this together. It's, exactly. It's not... Uh, you know, some of these characters of what Christian marriages need to be mm-hmm. uh, blown up and destroyed anyway. You know, the Christian marriage isn't just a woman uh, yielding constantly to whatever the, you know, the dictates of her husband is. But that, that is a wrong and wrong and I think sinful understanding of, of what people hold to sometimes. So, no, the yielding is not good to where the other one person just constantly gives in. Um, number one is abdication of our roles that we have in marriage. And it's just a, it's a limiting factor to the health of the relationship. So the best way is number four, lovingly resolve. This is when you're committed to resolving the conflict by respectfully discussing and listening to one another. You fight fair, no harsh language. You're seeking restitution and forgiveness. Right. Yeah. This is where we need the Holy spirit leading us, helping us, guiding us as we seek to resolve the conflicts that, inevitably come in a relationship i heard this term uh in a relationship early on in some marriage counseling or something about fighting fair and i thought well i thought you weren't supposed to fight with your spouse well there's going to be conflict there's going to be times you're going to disagree you got to fight fair though yeah this is where you don't bring uh all the emotion into it you don't you know you're trying to get to the restitution the reconciliation that's your goal that's what fighting fair means yeah you're trying to get to a you're trying to you're trying to get it fixed. Yeah, you're, you're not, not calling each other names. No, you're not going to go back and say, "Well, I remember three weeks ago when you did this." Or right, you all or, or you use hyperbole. Right, every, you always do this. Or right, every time this happens, or you, you know, you never, you know, when we start saying things like that, that's not fighting fair because mm-hmm. those that's just not the it's reality. Not, well, it's not true, it's, right, right? And it's not reality. So, yeah, we got it. You're gonna you're gonna have disagreements. You're you're going to. You know, have those times when you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you just got to do it in the right way, from the right heart. So there's a couple of scriptures here. Uh, the first one I wanted to point us to is 1 Corinthians 13. You know, a lot of times this is used in um, wedding ceremonies, right? But here's the thing. This is to the church. Right. This is how we're all supposed to act towards one another. But it does 
if if we can't act this way towards our spouse, then, you know, it's we're going to, I mean, he, he, I've had this thought also. Sorry, I don't mean to get off topic here. This is an off topic, but a different train of thought. Oftentimes when we treat our spouse poorly, we would say things and do things that we would never say to anyone else. Right. And I thought about that. I thought, why why do we feel like we have the freedom to say mean things or insulting things to our most loved person in our lives that I would never go to work and say some that to my coworker. I would never go to a restaurant, hopefully, and say something to a waiter like that. But we have that freedom to say that to our spouse. Have you ever thought about that before? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we presume <laughs> upon them is what we're doing. Right. You know, we know, ultimately, we know they're not going anywhere, hopefully, <laughs> right? We, we, we feel that we can... You know, we're just not as careful as we should. We take them for granted sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the really bad thing about that is you may do that to your peril because if you continue to do that and you never check that, there may be a time when that's the last time they want to hear it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just totally unhealthy. And your point about this being uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, being a word to the church, mm-hmm. not just to a married couple on their married marriage day, but this is really important. I just want to read the verses mm-hmm. that you had listed mm-hmm. here. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. But it, it, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Listen, mm. if we could live those verses out with one another... Uh, in the church setting, man, church life would be my goodness. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Mm. I mean, it would be amazing if all of our marriages would live out these truths. I mean, how much better would our marriages be? But it's just us prioritizing these truths that we we say we believe, yeah. but then we have to live them out when it comes to conflict. Yeah, or when it comes to um, those really hard days of the marriage when right. we just feel like we're at the end of our rope. Mm-hmm. That's not when we should take the other person for granted, that's when we should double down on the truthfulness of these scriptures. I found this uh, article I thought was interesting uh, calling put your bed, put your anger to bed, not put your bed to anger, put your anger to bed. Um, and it came out of the scripture here that we've, we've talked about and kind of been thinking about. And I wanted to read this It's Ephesians chapter four, 26 through 32. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt, corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good as building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And I think there's some points here that I wanted to uh, draw down on. If you look at verse 26, it talks about anger. And it says, <clears throat> anger is a good emotion that we often express sinfully. You know, the Bible says here, be angry and do not sin. So how do we, how do, we do that? Yeah, well, I'm, I think it's the, what are you angry about? You know, is there a reason for your anger? And if so, it needs to be a righteous anger. It needs to be something that that God himself would stand against mm-hmm. or would anger God. Right. And so it is possible to be angry and not sin. 
but oftentimes if you look especially at relationships what are we are we are we really are we mad over righteous things or mm-hmm. are we mad just because we didn't get our way right or or our opinion was not valued or whatever you know but well you may get frustrated over things that your spouse does or things that your spouse says but what do you do with that frustration do you let it build until you just boil over and explode and you just you just go crazy and and yell and scream i mean that's where the sin happens yeah that and that happens because of oftentimes communication it's like if you shut down and you refuse to talk or if you're talking but nothing's ever getting resolved then what happens ultimately is anger comes up and you do explode at some point and either it's been a slow burn and you finally let loose or just over the talk of all your conversation you're not getting anywhere the anger comes out and it's well, sinful. I, I've seen it build up between couples to where every word that they say, they're assuming the worst about someone. And, you know, it's almost as if like you're in a counseling situation and someone says something like, well, I can't believe you said that. Well, you never this. And they just go back and forth and you're like, wait, wait a second, guys, you guys are so angry with one another right now. You are so upset with one another. We can't get anywhere. We can't make any progress because every time you talk, every time you talk, there is a there's a barrier of of anger and resentment and all these things that have built up over time. Yeah, the anger has got to be dealt with, and in, in uh, especially in communication, you cannot you you cannot clearly communicate as, as especially sinful anger is is in the mix. Right. Well, that's what he says here in verse thirty two. Uh, I'm sorry, verse thirty one, where he says um, we got to strive to put away all anger. This is we've got to we got to strive to put it away from us. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. That's the image of, of putting it, getting it out of your house, taking the trash out, letting it, letting it go. Yeah. And sometimes sadly in relationships, sometimes a third party is going to have to help mm-hmm. with this because right. two people, if their communication has been bad for so long, they're just at one another and they are not able to, uh, rationally in, uh, correctly deal with the emotions that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so that's why sometimes couples have to go and they have to find a good biblical counselor that will be there to be that third party to not take a side, mm-hmm. but to help people process through some of these challenges that they're having. Mm-hmm. And part of putting the anger away may mean that you have to have someone who loves the Lord and loves you to help you all get past the anger that's there. That's right. Well, and a good biblical counselor, you're right, is not going to take a side. They are going to challenge you to look at yourself, though. And this is where people have a big problem. They always want to look at the other person. But a good biblical counselor can say, look at yourself. Now you look at yourself. Where's the sin in your heart that's causing these issues and these conflicts? Yeah. So he also says that, um, you know, to not let the sun go down on our anger you know, the 24-hour day is a mercy for marriages. And meaning, when, when we say that, what we're meaning is every day is a, is a fresh start, you know. So I've there have been times where I've been frustrated. We've talked about it. I'm still a little bit frustrated. You go to bed, and you wake up the next day, and you're like, you know, honey, I, I was silly. I was really silly. I, I can't believe I said that or did that can you forgive me? You yeah. know, for whatever reason, when you go to, and it says, don't, don't let the sun go down in your anger. I think what he's saying there is trying to help us to understand that, um, we don't need to go to bed with anger, but sometimes we, we, sometimes there is a period where we've got to allow ourselves that time to really reset and come back and talk about those, those issues and problems. Yeah. I also just think this is a admonition to not 
not staying continued anger, right. continual anger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better to deal with it. And yeah, I mean, I, if it's possible to deal with something before you go to bed at night, I think that is, there's a lot of wisdom in that, but say there's some instance that, you know, the other person, you know, you're, it's just not possible. You know, you're, it's not going to happen before you, you go to bed. The principle still here is mm-hmm. deal with it as quick as possible right? or in the next day. Exactly. It doesn't need to, it doesn't need to linger. Uh, number four, unresolved conflict opens a door for the devil. And this is where we see this in verses 20, uh, six and 27, because it says, give no opportunity to the devil. So what he's saying is if, if anger builds, if there's sinful anger that's happening, it's like you're opening the door and allowing the devil to come into your relationship because he will wreak tons of habit with your attitudes and your actions and your words. Yeah. I mean, it, it can, it can range from heart, the, the continual hardening of your heart toward your spouse. Mm-hmm. It can be, um, it can be, uh, Areas of temptation of, of other relationships that may be uh, fairly uh, innocent in nature, but Satan can take anything and try to use it against you. Mm-hmm. And if you are having trouble in your marriage at home, if he can do anything to harden your heart, to use other people in other relationships, or for you to feel as if, well, that person would, that person listens to me, why won't my spouse? You know, he'll do anything that he can to harm you mm-hmm. uh, in that relationship. And so, uh, unresolved conflict does open the door. And that's why, once again, it's better to deal with it sooner than later because uh, you don't. we don't need these opportunities uh, to present themselves. Right. And then the final one, treat your spouse's sin as Christ has treated you. And this is where, in the very last verse here, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So what that's saying is, there was a kindness that, that Jesus showed to us. There was a tenderheartedness and a forgiveness that he showed to us. And all of those things are how, when Christ looked at us, he, he knew there was sin in our hearts. But yet, in spite of those things, he treated us in this way. Yeah, he willingly treated us this way. Um, so he chose to, his choice towards us was that. Mm-hmm. And for our spouse, we need to, make sure that we are treating our spouse uh, in the same way. And that as we have experienced the grace and mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord, we need to always stand ready to give it as well. That's right. And then I, I added one to this list. We already talked about this, so we don't have to rehash it. But in verse 29, he said, no, let, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. I just be careful with your words. You know, when you're thinking about putting anger to bed, um, be careful with our words. Don't don't just flippantly say things uh, to your spouse. Call each other names. Um, you know, yell. I mean, if you need to take a minute and step back, one of the best things you can do when you feel the anger building up, take a break. Yeah. Just walk away. Take five minutes. Take half an hour. Whatever. Take a walk around the block. Whatever you need, and then come back and deal with it. Yeah. I mean, here lately, there's been a lot of people talking about people being triggered. Oh yeah. You know, well, if there's, I mean, when you're married for any length of time, I promise you, you know how to trigger Oh yeah. your spouse. I mean, you know exactly what to say, how to say it, when to say it, you know, intimately what, how you can do that. And so just got to be careful to choose not to look to go out of your way to try to trigger them too. And I know everybody listening to this podcast, none of us would, would admit that we go out of our way to trigger our spouse, but listen, let's just be honest. I mean, it does happen. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's a real temptation because mm-hmm. uh, you can get that one little one little dig in right before uh, you leave or right before the what people come over or before right before you walk into church you can say just a little something and it's not going to help uh, after church yep. <laughs> that you said that that's exactly right well I thought this was an interesting question because um, I wanted to ask you this question you know you there are different people that are hearing this and they may say you know what I'm trying to live out what God wants me to live out. I'm trying to resolve conflict in a biblical way. Uh, but my spouse does not want to resolve conflict in a biblical way. They don't want to hear these things. They don't want to walk down these steps. What do I do? Yeah, that's that's a really difficult place to be. And listen, you are not going to have good communication or a healthy relationship if if one person chooses not to engage. It's just going to be desperately hard. But there are still things we can do. Number one, you can continue to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, Because ultimately in a relationship, you need to pay more attention to what's coming out of you than even your spouse. Right. Because you can't change or control your spouse. But you can be mindful of what's coming out of you and ask the Lord to do a work in your life. Mm -hmm. And then you can pray proactively that the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit can change the heart of your spouse. Right. And so really, I would just say continue to work on you with God's help. Make sure that you're bearing good fruit in your life. Good things are coming out of your mouth. And pray that God's conviction would fall on your spouse and that they would see that it's wrong for them not to engage. And that you pray that God would convict their heart for them to to engage in the the relationship. Mm -hmm. Also, I would pray for others to come into the life of of your spouse that could encourage them toward uh, good things in their relationship. Now, I'm not, that needs to be, if it's your husband, pray for another guy to come along. If it's your wife, pray for another lady to come yes. along. That would be a godly influence on them to speak truth into them mm-hmm. that they won't hear from you. Right. Uh, so those are a few things that you can do, but it's it's a desperately hard situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is not, it is not um, without hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got to run back to the Lord. We've got to keep working on ourselves, uh, watching what comes out of us, pray for them, pray for other influences in their life. And I think that's a place to start anyway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I wanted to give some hope if you're in a situation like that. It's not a hopeless situation. You just have to continue to trust and uh, rely on the Lord in that situation. So is there anything else that you think of when it comes to conflict or communication? No, I just... I just think that and one other thing I would say is you, you just got to make up your mind to be in your marriage for the long haul. Mm. Uh, I just really believe that because I've been married 36 years uh, and I am no expert on marriage. Uh, but the one thing I do know is that perse- persevering in the marriage, just showing up every day, being well, you're going to have hardships, you're going to have conflicts, you're going to have troubles but we just got to make up your mind that you are going to do the things that you need to do yeah. to work on your marriage. Well, so much of our life, we, we have a plan B, you know, if, if something at our work doesn't go right, well, I'll just leave and go to another place. Right. If, if my church doesn't, doesn't treat me right, I'll just leave and go to another church. I mean, right. we have this kind of disposable mentality. Marriage should not be one of those things. Right. Number we, one, we don't need to have that mentality, but marriage should not be one of those things. Marriage should be something like you're saying. We, we, we are going to know that there's going to be ups and downs, but we are, we are committed to work on our relationships that they can be God honoring and fulfilling. Yeah. And I think the church has a responsibility to encourage relationships that last a lifetime. Right. Um, because listen, 
we we know that people I love, there's people in our church been through the pain of divorce. Uh, and like we've said, that does not put a black X or mark on your life, the rest of your life. But people need to appreciate that these biblical principles that we're talking about, about relationships, about the things we need to do is just committing to the long haul. Mm-hmm. That's what we signed up for. And that if you have found yourself gone through the pain of divorce, you're in a new relationship. Listen, this relationship has got to be based on these biblical truths. Mm-hmm. They don't need to change. Right. You need to double down and maybe you learn from those things in your life where Things didn't work out that these principles from God's word are what I need. And I need to stick to them continually in my relationship, praying and asking God to lead us and direct us each step of the way. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, I believe there is hope for a couple in the area of communication. I think that if you're struggling with communication, there, there is hope. Where do you think a couple should start? What would be the first step that if they're looking at their lives, and there's a just a huge logjam of unresolved conflict. I mean, they're just like, we don't communicate well. Uh, we've never communicated well. Where should they start? Well, be honest about yourself. Start with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think, um, well, man, if our, our communication would be so much better if they would just this mm. or that. Let, be honest about you. You have things that you have brought to this relationship that are affecting the communication. You've got to know that. Look to yourself first. Uh and, and then want to live the gospel out with your spouse mm-hmm. where you want to display to them forgiveness and, and grace and, yeah. and give mercy. Uh, and so I'd say start with you and the gospel. And yeah, that's great. Truths, I, mean, I would encourage couples to come to it with with an attitude of prayer first because it's really hard. It's really difficult to get after one another if you're on your knees and you say, okay, Lord, guide our guide our talk help us to communicate, help this be God honoring. And then you get out of that prayer, you say, amen. And then you just, bah, 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 bah. It, it's right. really difficult to do that. Not that you can't do that, but I think your, your heart is more inclined to try to work on things. If you begin with prayer. Yeah, it definitely sets the stage for the hard and good work that needs to happen is to be prayed up, uh, to be focused on yourself mm-hmm. and what you've brought to the relationship. And, and you just got to take time, right? You yeah. know, I mean, you know, um, I think if you, you know, if, if you um, don't, if you're so busy that you don't have time, you can't go on a date and talk to your spouse. You're on your phone all the time. Uh, you know, you know, you hop in the car, maybe go, you know, get somewhere, get, get some place where you have time to talk. We're so busy nowadays. We don't even take the time to communicate well. Right. And, and listen, also just over the course of time, I have seen couples, they have not communicated for so long it's so dysfunctional that they think, well, the next step is just we got to leave each other. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself like in a desperately hard place like that, you've got to reach out. Mm-hmm. You've got, please reach out. We're begging you to reach out. Uh, you need, you may very well need someone uh, who can be there for you to help you start thinking through these places to start. Right. Getting you to prioritize and see the need to pray, the need to focus on yourself and not just the other person. That's the right. Need to live the gospel out with one another and you need other people sometimes to encourage you to keep going on mm-hmm. and to keep pressing on because I'm just telling you, your lost friends, they're going to give you what the world gives them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, if you're not happy, if you're not being fulfilled, if, if you don't this and that, then man, you just need to start over. Uh, that's what you're going to hear. Uh, but that is not where a Christian should go in their relationship to where, you focus on what you don't have or what you're not getting out of the relationship 
and then you you just say, well, it's it's time to find someone else. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that needs to be done before that ever would occur, and to get together and to focus on these things we've just talked about. Yes, there is hope. Uh, the power of prayer. Focus on you. The truths of the gospel. Get another brother or sister in Christ who loves you to help encourage you all work through the mm-hmm. issues that are there and just don't give up. Yeah, if you're in the Evansville area, we do offer free biblical counseling if you would like to talk to one of our biblical counselors about your marriage and uh, or any other issue. That's uh, something that our church offers. Yeah. So, here. Well, I think this has been a great episode. This is, like I said, this is one of the things that I've, in my own life, I've seen God working in my heart, in my marriage, and I think this is something that can really benefit and help people in a very biblical and practical way. Communication is important, and we need to... Uh, we need to make sure that we have good, authentic communication. Well said. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're going to continue in this series. We hope to see you next. Hope you listen and tune in next week, and we'll see you next time. 